So uh, I was listening to that, that first song and, uh, that we were singing today, and I love that line that says, the voice that told me who I am. Uh, and you know what? I love and hate that line at the same time, not anything against the song. But I love it because it's so powerful. But I have the issue that I wonder how many people sing that but don't really know what they're singing when they're saying, the voice that told me who I am. I wonder how many people actually... No, this is who I am in Christ. This is who God has told me that I am in here. Because today I want to talk to you about who you are in Christ. I want to tell you who you actually are. And that's an interesting uh, question. And um, it... It's something that you might think, oh, well, you know, but it's an age thing. Once you get to a certain age, you should find out who you are in Christ. You should know that. But can I tell you, there's, there's people of all ages walking around as Christians, not knowing how they can approach God, not knowing their position before the God of the universe. And whether they, that be Christians, whether it be people that aren't Christians, um, some people are saying, what does God think about me? What does God, you know, how am I? Uh, as a human, before the, the God of the universe. Some people think that um, God doesn't like them. Some people think that God actually extremely you know, more hates them because of some of the things that go on in their life. Some people think that um, God's indifferent about them, that he doesn't really notice them, and it's not really, uh, you know, he's not too phased either way. Some people think that, yeah, God, God thinks I'm okay, but, you know, I wouldn't bother him about things. But I want to uh, share with you today that uh, as I said, about your position, who you actually are before God. Because uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says that Christians are the righteousness of God. And I want to talk to you today about righteousness. And I want to tell you today that you are righteous before God. Now, I'll clarify one thing. I'm, I'm a teacher uh, as well. Uh, I write on a whiteboard. I've actually had parents ask the principal, uh, why, does my stu- why does my son have to write neatly uh, if Mr. Ball can't write neatly? Um, and so, can I just tell you today that it will be messy and just deal with it because... <laughs> That's okay, that's how I am, that's who I am before God, I'm a messy writer, and it's all good. But I want to talk to you today about being righteous. Now, can I get a show of hands, put your hand up if you think you've got a pretty good understanding, a really solid understanding of what that means, that you are righteous before God, that you are, abs- that you are righteous in His sight. A few, good. And for those of you who, who have that understanding, that's great. If you're, if you're like me, you'll just be absolutely pumped after the end of it as well because you love it and you can't get enough of it. For those of you who aren't so sure, you should be walking away of here feeling pretty good. You should be going, breathing a big sigh of re- relief, going, it's all good. This is who I am before God. And when I was preparing this message, I thought of six things. I thought of another two as I was just sitting there in Luke's message. So there's eight. I'm not going to go through eight, but I thought of eight um, uh, aspects of a revelation of righteousness that will change your life. Those eight things. I wish I could go into them all in depth today, but it would be going throughout both services and in between as well, so we won't have time for that. But I'm going to give you. To the, I'm going to list them for you now, and then I'm going to explain one of them. If you've got a revelation that you are righteous before God, um, is this that God is not angry with you, right? That He's not angry with you. Some people think that God is angry with them. That uh, if they make a mistake, then. Um, it's not, you know, he's just blowing up in heaven and he's really disappointed in you and, and all this sort of stuff. But a revelation of righteousness will tell you that God is not angry with you. In fact, he doesn't just tolerate you, he actually likes you, uh, which is wonderful. Um, another thing is that um, God, for, because of Christ, your past, present and future sins all come under the cross. Okay, so it's not just the ones 
in the past, so you didn't just get saved and, and your past sins are dealt with, but now you've got to live a good life or else it's all bad again. Your future ones as well, your present and future sins as well, and that'll take you know a bit of pressure off you as well. Another aspect is that you can come before God with full assurance of faith, that you actually can approach God. Some people are reluctant to go to God in prayer and come before Him and ask because they're not really convinced of what He's thinking towards them, so a bit reluctant. But Hebrews said that you can come before Him with full assurance of faith. Uh, another thing is that you'll find that your devotional time is a response, not an obligation. Um, so, oh, sorry, um, yeah, that's correct. That it's a, a response, not an obligation. So when you um, pray and, and you read the Word, it's not like something that you have to do. It's not something that's good for you, so you better do it. It's something that you'll want to do. It's something that you feel peace about and it's something that you won't beat yourself over the head about if you don't do it, though you'll be encouraged to do it. Um, another thing is that God provides for you just because He loves you. Uh, that he doesn't actually pour out blessing upon your life because of anything you can do, any of your works, but just because you're his child. Uh, And Matthew 6 talks about that. Uh, uh, Seventhly, that God actually wants to intervene on your life. So Pastor Phil wants to pray for people who are sick at the end, um, that God actually wants to get involved in that. Like he's not, oh, do you want to, you know, yes or no? Do you want to actually give me this and pour out this on my life? Yeah, he does, because you're righteous in his sight. And the last thing, um, oh, actually, no, it's not, but it's the uh, last thing that I'm not going to extend on is that you have been extended a lot of grace and mercy, and so you're going to extend that to others as well. And you're not going to be judgmental. You're not going to be pointing the finger. You're not going to be, you know, looking at the, the, the speck in other people's eyes because you're confident that you're right before God and everything is okay. Okay, so if any of those ring a bell to you and you go, gee, I'd really like to know a bit more about that or have a bit of more of confidence in that area, maybe something I'll share with you today might help. But today I want to share with you this aspect of righteousness before God, and that is this, that there is no punishment left for your sin. That the punishment and, and the price that, was, that, that is due to you for your sin has been paid by Jesus Christ and it is no more for you to, um, for you to do. You know, this is a big thing for me because I was really caught up on, um, you know, if I made a mistake, if I stuffed up in what I thought was a pretty bad way, then I was always waiting for, some, for you know, God to you know, get out the lightning bolt and get out the big rod of discipline and give me a bit of a beating with it. Or um, I was reluctant when that happened. You know, I was like, oh, what does God think about me now? He must not like me now. Uh, And it would take me probably a couple of weeks of doing the right thing before I thought that God would like me again and God was okay with me again. And sometimes we, you know, that you might not have been in as a severe a spot as that, but sometimes, you know, how do you respond when you stuff up? Do you beat yourself up? Um, or do you receive the grace of God on your life? Um, what happens when someone else in your life stuffs up? Do you extend the grace of God to them, or do you try and beat them as well? Um, because this is what revelation of righteousness does to us. So as I get started, why don't you turn with me to Romans chapter 5, verses 18 and 19. And I'm going to share a little bit from this passage today. And I love it. It's really cool stuff. It will be up on the screen if you don't have your Bible, um, and you can hit that now. Thanks, Louise. So let's read from chapter 5, verses 18 to 19. It says this, Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act 
resulted in justification and life for all. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many were made righteous. Okay, a lot of terms in there, isn't there? <laughs> it's pretty, you read that, you go, okay, what just exactly does that mean? Um, and today I want to unpack a little bit. Let's look at verse 18. The two terms we need to look at are condemnation and justification. Is that big enough? Fantastic. There we go. So in verse 18 it says, The trespass of the one resulted in condemnation for all. What was that one act? What was that one trespass? Anyone? Who was it? Adam, fantastic, we're on the right page. So condemnation, so Adam in the Garden of Eden, that one trespass resulted in condemnation for all. And what is condemnation? I think we think of condemnation as this subjective feeling that is, you know, I feel so condemned because I did that and, uh, you know, um, or don't condemn yourself, you know, it's all good, you know, God's grace covers, don't feel condemned. But I want to tell you that condemnation is much more than just a subjective feeling. What... Um, Sorry, before I, before I go on to that, I want to... Uh, I did... Uh, righteous. I just want to uh, clarify this for a second before I go there. To be righteous before God okay, is what I'm talking about, that you are righteous before Him. What that means is, in short, is that you are right before God, that you are in right standing before Him, that you are guilt-free, that you are not deserving of punishment, that you are not deserving of consequences, and that you meet every expectation on the relationship between you and God. So when God looks at you, it is all good. And that's what we're looking about today. We're looking at when God sees you, he sees you as righteous. He sees you as right before him. You have met the expectations of of him, from him on your life. It's all good. You have covered that. But this is the issue. Condemnation is actually a loss of righteousness, a loss of righteousness. Um, it's, an actual, it's actually a legal word. It's a declaration upon your life that says that this person is guilty and there will be a sentence of a punishment deserving for that person. So when it says the, ones, well, the one trespass uh, ended up in, in condemnation for all, it says all were guilty and sentenced. Okay, and so, um, so we have Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and prior to that, they're in perfect relationship with God. They are perfect in God's sight, fulfilling all the expectations of God on their life. But when they sinned, that, that relationship was broken, and God, being a holy and just God, needed to bring judgment for that act of rebellion. Right, and so uh, it says uh, in verse 18, the one, one trespass, the one sin from Adam resulted in condemnation. Romans 3.10 says that there is no one righteous, not even one. Not one person righteous in the world. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Right, so this trespass, this one trespass led to a sentence upon all of mankind. Not just a, a subjective feeling of condemnation, but a sentence that because of this broken relationship with God, this is what needs to be poured out upon your life. Okay, so that was what the humankind uh, deserved. And for some reason, uh, which is what I always used to do, people try and fix this dilemma, this broken relationship with God, this sentence deserving of, you know, a, of a punishment. People try and fix it by themselves. Right? People try and fix it on their own. Um, whether or not they realize it or not. And, you know, I, 
I think the Garden of Eden is a perfect example. Adam and Eve sinned. They became aware of their, of their nakedness, their sin. And what did they do? They went and got fig leaves to try and cover it up. But God says, hold on, that's not going to do the trick. You can't fix it yourself. Let me do it for you. And he went and made animal, uh, got animal skins with the shedding of blood. For me, that is really symbolic of people trying to do it in their own strength. People saying, you know what, I'm going to fix this problem myself. Yes, I'm a sinner. Yes, I'm, I've done the wrong thing, but I'm going to earn my way to being right standing before God. I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to fix this problem. I'm going to do it myself. You know, the Old Testament law, uh, the Ten Commandments and the 600 and whatever other laws that, that God gave his people. Do you know the whole purpose of that law? The whole purpose of that law was to make people realize they couldn't do it by themselves. It wasn't actually that God thought they could live up to that. It's that he said, hold on, I need to make these people realize that they need a savior. And so all these laws were put in place in Deuteronomy um, 6.25. It says, and if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God, as he has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. So that, obeying these laws, doing these works, pleasing God in this way, that will be how we are right before God. That will be our righteousness. That will be the way that we can come before God. It's because of us obeying this set of laws. Uh, and that's what the law is symbolic for. It's, it, the law, uh, when you look at, um, you know, all through Galatians and Romans and all these New Testament scriptures, when it says um, the law, this, the law, that, what that's talking about is meeting God's expectations on your life by what you can do. It's by trying your works, you meeting God's expectation just by doing this, doing that, what you can do in your own strength. Now, there's a massive problem with that. No one did that. And so God, in his grace in the Old Testament, still gave us, or gave them the, the shedding of blood from animals to cover over their sin. No one can actually live up to God's righteous standard. In Matthew, it actually says, you, you know, you think you can not commit adultery? Well, I tell you, you even think in your head, you know, a thought about a woman and you've already done it. This is, a, you know, his standard is so high. This is a pure and holy, righteous God that is so amazing. He's, he's pure in love. He's, he is, he's just so, he's set apart all else. He's completely separate to all things. Um, so Romans 3.20 um, says this, No one will be declared righteous in God's sight by observing the law. It says no one, no one will be declared to be right before God by observing law, by what they do, by their works, by living up to a set of rules. No one will do it. Um, it says, rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. So God has the law in place. This law in the Old Testament say, just realize you're a sinner and you can't do it on your own. And so here we are and he's declaring, you can't do this. You can't actually um, fulfill this law on your own and no one will be declared righteous uh, by that. Uh, I haven't put this in here, but turn to Galatians 2. I just want to extend on that a little bit so you get the, get the idea. Galatians 2 talks about the law and, and the fact that we aren't under the law anymore because of what Christ has done. And, and we'll get to that in a moment. But Galatians chapter 2, it says this. Um, From verse 15, if you want to jot that down. So chapter 2, verse 15, it says, um, We who are Jews by birth and not, sin, uh, not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by observing the law, 
but by faith in Jesus Christ. So too, uh, so we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law, because by observing the law, no one will be justified. I'll explain justified in a moment. No one will be declared righteous. No one can come to God purely on their own merits by what they do. It's not possible for anyone to do that. And that whole, that, that keeps going. I won't, I won't keep reading that. That keeps going. If you want to check that out later, check out Galatians 2, and that'll tell you that no one can come before God by their own merits and what they're doing. And so here we are, with this issue, this massive separation before God, some people trying to do it in different ways, some people trying different avenues to fix this problem of all being sinners, of, of no one, you know, everyone falling short of the glory of God, absolutely every single person, famous, uh, you know, unknown, rich, poor, everyone has fallen short of the glory of God. And so God sends his son into the world to do what we could not, and that is fulfill the expectations of God, and live uh, up to his holy standard. Uh, If we can put um, back up to uh, Romans 5, uh, where it says, we've already looked at the trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, but the righteous acts, where are we? There we go. So also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all. Okay, justification, condemnation, loss of righteousness, loss of standing before God, loss of um, being right before Him. Justification, beautiful, restoration of righteousness. God came, you know, just so uh, as as uh, the the trespass of one lost the right standing before God for all people. So, so. Uh, Sorry, so the one righteous act resulted in a restoration of that righteousness, a restoration of that righteousness. And just as condemnation is a legal declaration, remember that it's not a, um, it's, not a, it's, a it's a declaration by a judge. It's as if in a quorum saying you are condemned to this sentence because you have not reached this level of, of standard. So is justification. And, adjust, and, and it's a legal declaration, this justification, you'll see it in Romans, you'll see it in Galatians, you'll see it throughout the New Testament, and you need to know what it means. Um, this word justification is a declaration by God that because of Christ and the, and the price that he paid on the cross, that you have fulfilled the expectation of God on your life. It doesn't actually make you Righteous. It doesn't mean that you've done it in yourself, but it's saying when God looks at you, when God sees you through faith in Jesus Christ, he looks through the filter of Jesus Christ in you. So when he sees Richard, he actually sees Jesus and then he sees Richard. So it's a declaration. It doesn't mean that that, um, Richard is now righteous on his own. It doesn't mean that he has fulfilled the expectations of God. It's saying that through faith in Christ, Christ has done it for him. Christ has done it for him. And so Richard can now be assured that, that he has, through Christ, it's, been, it's a legal declaration that God declares over Richard's life, over your life, that you have met every expectation through Christ Jesus. You couldn't do it on your own, but he has declared it that you have done it because of him. And do you see the danger of trying to do it by yourself? You see the danger of trying to come before God through any other way other than Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know, these people trying to go elsewhere, the people trying to say, oh, I'm a good person. That was my family's 
um, you know, statement the whole time. That was my thing. I'm a good person. I don't, I don't need that. Well, actually, no, I'm not. I'm not a good person. Um, in fact, all, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God because Adam has passed that through to us, that, that nature, that sinful nature. Um, people think, well, if I have enough possessions, then, then surely that will get me there. It's like, well, well actually, no, it won't because um, that has nothing to do with being restored to a right condition with God. People think, well, you know, Maybe if I follow this guy, or maybe if I am successful in my career, then maybe that will somehow bring me right before God. And people are trying to make themselves feel good about themselves and trying to restore this lost position before God by all these things. But Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He said, no one can come to the Father except through me. He said, I'm the only way. And so this, um, this declaration of righteousness is for us, all who believe in Christ. Um, but if we don't go through Christ, man, I, I'm, I'm actually at the point where I'm like, wow, I would hate to go before God without Jesus Christ. Because, you know, God is loving and he's merciful and he's gracious. And that's the very reason he sent his son. But we've got to receive that, you know. Um, let me explain. Go, John 3, um, I'll just explain a little bit further on that. John 3, it says, you know, at 16 to 17, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But check this, God did not send his Son into the world to condemn it, to sentence it. He didn't come in to say, this is what's wrong, this is your sentence, this is your punishment. But he said, um, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. So it's not like Jesus came to say, I'm here to say, you did the wrong thing, you've done the wrong thing, you don't meet my standard he's come to say look you you're stuffed without me he's saying i came to save you he came say came to me i didn't come to get it you stand condemned already you stand sentenced the wages of sin is death the wages of sin is separation from god that is your condition right now but hey the good news is i'm here i'm here to do it for you i'm here to make the way i'm here to do it because you can't do it i'm here so you that 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 sentence of condemnation that declaration of condemnation upon your life can now be replaced by a declaration of justification that you are right before my god that you are right before him and that you can come before him only through the blood of jesus how good is that is that good I love that stuff. You know, that is the only way that we can actually come um, before God. And, and I'll say it again. I really want to hit home that point uh, that, that he died for every one of your sins. You know, you hadn't committed one sin when Jesus died on the cross. You hadn't committed one. So that would be a pretty poor salvation if uh, he only covered the sin up to one certain point because you hadn't even done anything then. Right? He's covered absolutely every single one of your sins. And that doesn't mean that you can do whatever you want. I'll explain that a little bit later. But the thing is that every time you turn to him, it's done. Because remember, we think, we, we look to God and we go, oh my goodness, I'm so bad, I've done, I can't come before him. But he's not looking at you. He's looking at the, the guy sitting on the, at his right hand. He's looking at Jesus Christ going, and Jesus is there going, yeah, he's with me, it's all good. You know, he's with me, it's fine. And so when God looks at you, he does not look at you. He looks at Jesus and then he looks at you. And you know what? If people can get the hang of this, that they are declared righteous, that they are justified, that it is all good between you and God if you go through Jesus Christ, that he loves you, that his mercy is for you, that his grace is for you, then you don't have to worry about 
all the pressure on yourself of I've got to meet this standard, I've got to do the right thing. I was, I was hung up on it. I was absolutely hung up on it. Just a set of rules. I said, any way you look at it, Christianity is a set of rules. But it's not because Christ fulfilled that for us. It says in, um, in Hebrews 4, um, 4 verse 15, I shall read it to you. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Christ, sinless, he came, he lived that life that we couldn't. He lived this life that was perfect in the sight of God. Um, 1 Peter 1, 18, verse 20, that should be up there. It says this, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver, or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, from Adam, from your parents, from all the generations, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He came as a, as a sacrifice, as an offering for your life. I wonder if there's anyone in here today that, that is still living in the empty way of life handed down to them by their ancestors. I wonder if anyone is still living that life and, and, and still here going, well... Yeah, that life is empty. That life is an empty way of life. And that's what has been dished out to me. Because I can tell you what, today, it can all change. It can all change for you because Jesus Christ came and he died for you. Uh, I'm just going to read out a couple of more scriptures along the lines of this for you to, for you to really try and grasp it. Um, Ephesians 2, 8 to 10 says this. You can jot that down and check it out later. It should be up there. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. We are saved, we are justified, we are declared righteous by grace, through faith, not by works, not by obeying the law, not by praying a lot, not by reading the word, not by not stuffing up, not by giving a lot, not by you know, doing nice things for Pastor Phil and Andrew and Julie and, and, Julie and everyone, not by, not by um, you know, not going to this place and not going to that place, not by not swearing a lot, not by um, not smoking or drinking a lot, or not by anything. There's nothing that you can be saved by and in right standing before God declared righteous before God other than faith in Jesus Christ, which is wonderful. Colossians 1, 21 to 22 says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. Free from accusation. There's no one that can, can cast an accusation on you. I think of, um, to illustrate that, I think uh, of the woman caught in adultery. Right? And we know the story, but I'm going to go there anyway, and I'm going to read a bit to you. Uh, in John, I think it is, chapter 8. Yes, it is. Um, and so we know the story that a woman caught in the act of adultery, yes, we don't know how they actually found her in the act of adultery. It's a bit strange, but she was caught in the act of adultery, Brought before the group, um, and they say this. Let's pick it up in um, yeah, verse uh, just at the end of verse three. It says they made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, "Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say?" And they were using this question as a trap in order to have the basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he strained it up and said to them, Let any one of you, of you um, who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. 
At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with a woman standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Women, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Has no one sentenced you? Has no one sentenced you to this price that the law says should happen to such a person? And she says, No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus said. Neither do I condemn you. And how good is the text here? Jesus declared. Neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. That is a declaration over your life, that neither do I condemn you. You know, we have the accuser of the brethren, the devil, accusing us, constantly saying, this is what's wrong with you, this is what you've done, this is how imperfect you are, this is how weak you are. Thinking, putting all this condemnation, this sentence, this guilt before us, but God says, neither do I condemn you. And he declares it over our life. And that is what it means in Romans 8.1 where it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. The price has been paid. I don't know why people still beat themselves up because Jesus got beat, beat up for them already. So when, when we stuff up, when, we, when we're weak, what, what, well, what do you expect? Yeah, you are. You are. You are weak. You are imperfect. You can't make yourself right before God just by what you do. Um, so... There's one place to turn. And so as I was saying, I'm, I'm almost done. This is going to be a, a good old pastor feel. He's going to have plenty of time to pray for some people. But as I was saying, I do want to clarify that it doesn't just mean, you know, I would like to not clarify it, but I know it needs clarification because people go, oh, but does that mean that people can just do whatever they want and then, you know, sin as much as you want? Check this, on, um, on Yahoo Answers. Yeah. <laughs> Yahoo Answers Online, where they've got all these questions that people um, that ask and, and they have the best answer. And I need to go and write another answer because yeah. it said, well, if Christ died for our sins, someone wrote, shouldn't we just go and sin as much as we can? Because, um, you know, it'd be a waste of time if he, if he died and, and we didn't sin. Um, and the best answer they could come up with was, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, something along the lines of, yes. That's, that's where the money is. Go for your life. I was like, oh my goodness, that is not at all what we're talking about here. That is not uh, what it is. So I think maybe Phil Cairns can go on there. You can probably give a best answer. That would be pretty cool. Um, but no, it says this. Um, as I wrap up, turn to Romans 3 if you've got your Bible. It's not a scripture up there. I'm just diverging a little bit. Romans 6, sorry, did I say 6? Or did I say 3? Romans 6. Romans 6, though Romans 3 is very good. Uh, Romans 6, 11, it says this, In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, right, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. So it says, don't let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. But it's in light of what was just said. It says, Count yourselves dead to sin and alive to God because that's what's happening in your life right now. You are dead to sin. You are a new creation. Uh, you are not who you were. You, are a, you, are, you, are, you have been uh, regenerated, redeemed by the blood of Jesus. So it says, know that that's who you are. Know that that's what is going on in your life right now, that you are actually not a sinful person. You're actually a, a saint that has an issue with sin, not a sinner that sometimes does some good things. Okay, You are declared righteous before God um, just through Christ. So it's saying, that is who you are now. Because of that, because of that's who you are right now, don't let sin reign in your mortal body. That would be totally contradictory to what has happened in your life. Like, why would you be a new creation? Like, 2 Corinthians um, 
I think it's six or something like that, says, you know, what, what fellowship does light have with darkness and Christ with Belial? And hold on, it doesn't, it's not a don't do this and it's a set of laws that, that you've now got to keep and you've now got to fulfill. It's saying, why would you act in that way now that this has happened in your life? It would just be completely contradictory. It would just be, um, you know, throwing grace of God out the window because you're changed. It's saying, go in this direction now, walk in this direction. And as we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, He is the one who brings that about in our lives. There's a number of scriptures throughout the Word that says it is Christ who, who, who sanctifies, which is who changes who we are, that makes us more like Him. It's the Spirit of God. It's the fruit of the Spirit is peace, patience, love, kindness, goodness, whatever they all are, self-control. All these are fruits of the Spirit that, that will come from our life as we draw near to God because we are righteous before Him. Um, and so I think to sum that up, it's at 1 John chapter 2. Do we have that one up here? 1 John yeah, 2, 1 to 2. It says, My dear children, I'm writing this to you that, so that you will not sin. Don't do it. It's not who you are. It's not good for you. It's not going to benefit you. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, who is the atoning sacrifice for not only our sins, but of the sins of the whole world, which is how good is that, that he is the righteous one. And because of faith in him, we have that put to our account, which I just think is like one of the most incredible things ever. Ever. I think it's just fantastic. So, um, you know, that's a. Like, I love this stuff, and honestly, I'd love to do another eight, you know, preachers just on this topic and go through each one of those points and, and, and get across to you who you are in Christ. And that is, in Christ, you are declared righteous. The sentence of condemnation that Adam passed down to us is no longer applicable if we have faith in Christ. Not by the law, not by our works, not by what we do, but through the blood of Jesus, we have our righteousness restored. We are justified. You know, the whole saying, it's justified, never sinned. You know, we are justified before God in the sight of, in the sight of God. And for that, it means all sorts of things. As I said, you know, I might just go over those really quickly. Again, in light of that, Remember these things that I said happen in our life when we get this understanding. We know that God is not angry with us because he's looking at Jesus, that he's not out to get us, he's not disappointed, he's not shocked at at our horrible um, nature. Um, That isn't there anymore, by the way. Um, uh, Jesus died for our past, present and future sins. That... uh, we can come before God with full assurance of faith, like it says in Hebrews. It says, um, therefore, yeah, come before God with full assurance of faith, having your heart sprinkled and cleansed, and, and that's amazing. Check it out, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. Um, the other thing, that our devotional time, we don't have to, you can't, you know, you're, if you pray for an hour and if you pray for five minutes, God doesn't like you anymore. He, does, uh, <laughs> he doesn't like you comma, any more than he did before. Okay, he does like you, that's... Uh, he doesn't like you any more than he did before. Um, there's nothing you can do to make him more pleased with you. Uh, you know, he loves you and, he's, and, and you are just as worthy to go before him as, as Pastor Phil is. Um, it's amazing. Just because it doesn't mean you've read your word for, uh, you know, all week. You locked yourself in your room and, and you read the Bible and, you know, surely God's got to be pretty pleased with that one and he must you know, prove of me more and I've got more right to go before him. No, it doesn't work like that. There's nothing you can do to go before him. Your, your Bible reading, your prayer is just letting that drawing you into it, going, wow, I can come before God that I'm fine. There's peace there. I don't have to hide. I don't have to, sh- you know, um, draw back in fear. I can approach him boldly. Um, I can come before him. 
uh, that God provides for you just because he loves you. Luke was saying it's not about what you give. It's not about what you do. It's God doesn't say, well, you know, what sort of father would say, um, well, that person, my child's been good this week. I'll give them food. Yeah. Uh, they can have dinner. You can have dinner. I'll let you... Uh, I'll let you um, sleep in your bed and not the floor tonight because um, you've been really good this week. You've prayed a lot and you've read the word. No, it doesn't work like that. Um, that God wants to intervene with your life. So Pastor Phil's going to pray some from people so we can come with full assurance of faith that God actually is interested. He's not indifferent to us. Like the, the prodigal son, the brother, uh, we said, but, but Father, you know, I've been with you my whole life and I've obeyed your commands. He goes... You're always with me and all I have is yours. That is our inheritance in Christ. All I have is yours, God says. Our health, our salvation, our provision, all I have is yours. And lastly, again, that because uh, we have received freely, freely we must give. And so God has justified us in the sight of... uh, Jesus um, has justified us in the sight of God. Who are we to then go to our brothers and sisters and point the finger. It's, it doesn't really make sense. If God has justified someone, if God has, has called someone righteous in his sight, who are we to place condemnation, a sentence in their, in their life? Because if God has gotten rid of the condemnation, the sentence of guilt, and restored that person to a state of righteousness before him, I think that would be pretty ignorant of us to try and put them back into it. And I wouldn't want to do that because I know I wouldn't want to be put back in that place either. You know, it's such a beautiful thing what God has done. So why don't we stand? Let's just pray for a moment. I'm just going to pray quickly and then I'm going to pass the field to come up here and, and, and minister to us as well. But I just really want to give one opportunity to... Uh, if we're all good in here, if everyone in here is in Christ, that's great. But I'm going to give anyone a chance as well that if you're not, if you're trying to go to God by yourself, I'm going to introduce you to Jesus who actually is the one that you, that you must go through. You just need to go through Christ. I don't want to see anyone leave this place today trying to go before God or trying to make their life right by what they can do in their own strength because you just can't. So with every eye closed, let's everyone give people the privacy that they need this, um, this morning. Let's close our eyes and if that's you, if you're that person that's standing here saying, well, I'm still in this empty way of life. I'm not here to embarrass you. I'm not here to make life difficult for you. I'm not here to, to you know, make you fearful and, and full of anxiety to because there's so many people here. I'm not here for that. Most people in here have actually prayed this prayer. Most people in here have, have made this journey of receiving Christ. It's not about these people here right now it's only about you and it's about you getting your life right with God so can I encourage you I'm just going to stand here with you your friend can stand here with you I was petrified to come out the front when I got saved so if that's you that's okay we're going to bring someone with you we're going to just pray with you really quickly and then we're going to get on with the rest of the service but today can be your day to be declared righteous before God So with every eye closed, could I just get you to right now raise your hand. If that's you, if you want to be included in a prayer, could you lift your hand right now? If that's you, if you want to be included in a prayer to say, God, I need to be right before you. Don't wait. Your heart's probably beating right now. 
your heart's probably beating 100 miles an hour. I just want to make sure that you are right with God. It doesn't matter if your parents knew God. It doesn't matter if your family knows God. It doesn't matter if you grew up and you've been to church. That doesn't matter at all. All that matters right now is that you for yourself accept Jesus Christ into your life so that you may be declared righteous in his sight. So I'm going to give you like 30 more seconds. If that's you, can you just show me your hand? I'm not going to get you to hold it up. And for a lot, I just want to see your hand. Just look at me. Just give me your attention. Just say, yep, that's me, Garth. I want to be included in that prayer. I want to be included in that. I'm going to give you like 10 more seconds. Otherwise, if that's you and you're saying, you know, I, I'm too freaked out. There's no way I'm coming down the front. Come and we'll pray for you after. That's fine. Come and see myself or Pastor Phil or Pastor Julie. And we'll just pray with you down the front. And, uh, and that would be good. But everyone else, let's lift our hands. I want to pray for you quickly. Pastor Phil, you can make your way up um, and, and you can take over in a minute. Let's just pray quickly. God, we thank you so much for the gift of Jesus Christ. Lord, that he came and did what we couldn't. Lord, he lived a life, a sinless life. He died on a cross, rose again, that through faith in him, we may be declared righteous. God, I'm praying for every single person in here. God, that this revelation of righteousness, this revelation of who they are in God would come upon them, would be uh, enlightened to their hearts. God, that people would walk out of here with their heads held high, that they are children of the Most High God, that there is nothing they can do to change that. God, I'm praying today that God, right now, that condemnation, the feeling of condemnation goes from people's lives in Jesus' name. God, that people would stop beating themselves up. God, because you already paid the price. God, I'm praying for grace to be poured out upon your church. God, I'm praying for people to figure out their position in you. God, I'm praying that you'd pour out your love, you'd pour out your grace, you'd pour out your mercy. God, that you would come and you would reach hearts right now and bring a peace that surpasses all understanding. God, because everything is good. You are for them, you, are, you like them, you're not indifferent to them, but God, you created them unique, you died for them so that they may live their best life and they may come to you at any time. God, we thank you. God, we lift you up in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Pastor Phil, why don't you come up and... Uh, Amen. And Amen. Fantastic, God.